when Moses went up to heaven, he saw Almighty God sewing and nodding crowns onto the letters of the Torah. God sees Moses and he says to Moses, where's your manners? Don't you say like, hello, shalom aleichem. And Moses responds, is it proper for a servant to speak before the king? And God says, I was hoping that you would support me and encourage me and wish me hatzlacha and wish me success in my holy work. Immediately, miyad, immediately says the Gemara, Moses responds this verse, verse number 17. The yigdal no koyach adnai kasher And now magnify the power of the name of God of Adnai, kasher dibarta, as you have spoken, lemur, I am now saying. That is the way the Gemara learns this verse in our parsha. But on the level of Pshat, the simple interpretation is that this verse comes as a response to God's accusation against the spies. The spies came back with a negative report, and the Jewish people said, yeah, 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 we agree with the spies, we cannot go into the land of Israel. Even though God promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that your children will go down to Egypt, they're going to slave there, but I promise you I will take them out. And they will come out with a chuzgada with tremendous wealth, and I will bring him into the land of milk and honey. They are about to enter into the land of milk and honey, and all of a sudden the spies say, "No, we can't go into the land. It's a land that consumes its inhabitants. It's too mighty. It's too powerful. We cannot conquer the land." And the Jewish people now, after seeing all the miracles of the splitting of the Red Sea and the ten plagues, etc., etc., and God's power when He comes down on Sinai. All of a sudden, the entire nation of Israel agrees with the spies. And they begin to cry, what are we going to do? We're going to die here in the desert. And God says, where's your faith in me? You don't believe in me? Let's wipe out the entire Jewish nation. Moses, you will start a new nation from you. And Moses begins to plead and defend the Jewish people. And he says, And now magnify the power of your name, Adnai. God has many names. Why specifically does God speak about this name, Adnai? Why does Moses speak about the name, Adnai? What does that mean here? And then Rashi tells us that what Moses is really saying is the verse after that. Hashem, Erechapayim, Moses begins to pray to God and to articulate the 13 attributes of mercy, asking God to have mercy upon the Jewish people. And God does, and if he gives the Jewish people, he says, fine, over the next 40 years they will die in the desert. I won't wipe them out immediately now, but over the next 40 years the men from the age of 20 to 60, they will die in the desert. So the pshat, the simple interpretation is 
how do we magnify the name of God is by the fact that Moses spoke the 13, the 13 attributes of mercy. Now, there's a remez here, there's a hint. And that is, God says, after Moses prays, How much longer must I deal with this terrible congregation? From here we derive that a congregation is ten people. Ten people are required for a minion from the parsha here, where God says to Moshe, How much longer must I deal with this evil congregation? Verse number 27. Eidah, how many people were in this Eidah, in this congregation? There were ten, ten evil spies. But the first two words of the Pasuk is Ad Masai. How much longer? How long must I deal with this? Now the Medrash says a remarkable thing. Because God said Ad Masai, how much longer must I deal with these people? We, the Jewish people, in the end of days, will call out to God and say, Ad Masai, how much longer must we be in exile? And therefore, every day we have to call out and scream, Ad Masai. It's a hint from this week's parasha. Now, what is the drush? What is the, the law, the homiletics? The fact that Moses says, let's magnify the name of God, how do we magnify the name of God? Can we magnify the name of God? And the answer is, the Gemara says in the tractate of Shabbos, like this, Whoever responds by Kaddish and says, May the great name of God be blessed. And he says this, With all their strength, says the Talmud, Shall I in Shana, even if there's a decree upon that person for 70 years, that decree of 70 years is torn. It is torn into little pieces. Why? Because you say, Amen with all your might. Now, what does that mean? So Rashi says, with all your might means with your meditation. You meditate on the words that you're saying. It doesn't mean you have to scream it. But all your might means with all your intensity. Toysfis, on the other hand, says all your might means with a loud voice. To say, Amen Yesh and be animated. But what is really happening over here? We're saying to bless the great name of God. To bless is a metaphor, or the word bless etymologically means to draw down. To draw down God's great name. Yehesh midam avarach means to draw God's name down into the name of Adnai. The name of Adnai is the name of God, which is the master of the universe. As we say in the famous song, Adon Olam, the master of the world. So we want this level of God, which is beyond time and space, to enter into the world of time and space. And by doing so, what happens is, even if there is a decree of 70 years, that becomes annulled. Why 70 years? As we'll soon see, the number 70 alludes to the seven attributes, the seven emotions times 10. So the seventh is Malchus, which is kingship. And the name of Adnai is the name of 
Malchus. In other words, each of God's name represent a different attribute. The attribute of Malchus, the attribute of God's kingship, is the name of Adnai, which means God is the master of the universe. He is king. And therefore, by the fact that we say, Amen Yehish Abba, we draw down this new light into the world, we have now the power to transform this seventh attribute of Malchus. Now, according to Kabbalah, Moses requested of God to enlarge the name of Adnai. What does it mean to enlarge the name of Adnai? So first of all, as we just explained, the name of Adnai is associated with the attribute of Malchus, God's kingship. As we say, Dina, the Malchus Dina, the law of the country is the law. In other words, in the name Adnai, we have the words law. So the law of the king, the law of the country is the law. So we see already here, even according to the Talmud, there is a, an association between the attribute of Malchus, of kingship, and the name of God, of Adonai. Enlarge, the name, means to bring it back to its source. Even though Adonai is submerged in the physical finite world, elevated to a higher place. And that is why, perhaps, the Yur in Yigdal is large. Because we find that there are two Yuds in God's name. There is the Yud that is at the beginning of the Tetragrammaton, the Yud and the He and the Vav and the He, which is called Shem Havaya. Then there is the Yud, which is at the end of Adnai, which is Alev Dalid Nun Yud. So we're saying, take the, the Yud, which is at the end of Adnai, and raise it to the first Yud of the beginning of God's name, which is... Shem Havaya, God beyond time and space. And by doing so, by doing so, we'll soon see now, according to Chassidus, what happens. But first, but first, to understand what was the sin of the spies and why is it associated with the name of Adnai. The spies were 12 spies. Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses our teacher, the greatest of all prophets, the chosen one of God, went and chose these spies. So Moshe Rabbeinu chose good people. He chose holy people, righteous people. They go into the land of Israel, they're there 40 days, they come back, they come back with a negative report. They say there are giants there, people are dying there, the fruits are humongous, there's no way we can conquer this country, we can't go there. How is it possible people of such righteousness and holiness and dignity should come back with such a negative report? The Alter Rebbe explains that this was the logic behind these rabbis, behind these leaders. They said like this, we were just in Egypt for many years. We were slaves. We came out. God gave us a Torah. The most amazing, priceless gift in the world the wisdom of all the nations of the world, greater than all the nations of the world. We have the opportunity now to immerse ourselves in this knowledge. We don't have to work because we get manna from heaven, food from heaven. Money's coming down from heaven every day. We don't have to work. We don't have to pay rent, right? Because we have our tents. 
We don't pay a water bill, free water from Miriam. We don't have to pay to wash our clothing. Every night you go to sleep, there was a miracle, the clouds of glory washed out the clothing. You woke up, they were pressed. If you gained a few pounds, it came whiter. If you got taller, they took out the hem. Everything was done automatically. So now, basically, we were like living in, in Boca Raton, in Florida, on vacation. I'm a chaya, retired. So what should we do? The spies said, the Jewish people have now an opportunity to study Torah all day. So why should we go into the land of Israel? So we don't want to go into the land of Israel. It's going to consume its inhabitants. It's going to consume the Jewish people. We're going to become the golden nations of the world. We're going to become involved with commerce and business and plowing and, 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 and mowing the grass. All these things which are nice things, but it's not Jewish. Let's be Jewish. So let's stay in the desert and become a holy people. This was their argument. The mistake was that they were using their own logic. You see, because God wanted them to go into the land of Israel. As Kalev said, if God desires, which means God derives pleasure from when a person is involved in the everyday world, and yet they come together for a class in the morning. This brings God's pleasure. That's the crown that God is sewing onto the letters. And then, and then in the afternoon, we stop business, we go daven mincha. And then the evening, you daven naidif. And Shabbos, you stop work completely. This is the way you live your life as God's people. And by doing that, when you study Torah, you'll have more knowledge. And more importantly, when you go into the land of Israel, you are able to perform so many mitzvos. The majority of the mitzvos, they could not perform in the desert. Because it had to do with the land. So as long as we're living in a desert, you cannot do these mitzvahs. So now we come back to the story here. The spies sinned. They said, we don't want to go into the land of Israel. We're not concerned about mitzvahs, about the action of Torah. We're more concerned about the knowledge of Torah. Comes along Moshe Rabbeinu and he says, We utter God now, forgive the Jewish people. Enlarge and empower the name of Adnai. The name of Adnai, we said earlier, is associated with Malchus, with kingship, with the physical world, with Adon Olam, which is associated with mitzvot, practical deeds. This was the name that they violated. This was the name that they disassociated themselves with. So now, Moshe comes and says, God, enlarge this name and bring a greater level of light into the name of Adnai to atone for their sins. So, what do we do? How do we atone for the sin of the spies? What is the antithesis of the sin of the spies? It's very simple. Practical mitzvahs. To give tzedakah, to put on tefillin, to light the Shabbos candles, to eat kosher, to keep Shabbos. This is the way we transform the sin of the spies into the land of milk and honey. By saying, when we come into the synagogue and we hear the candles being recited, and we say the with all our energy and excitement, that is the way we enlarge and magnify 
the name of Almighty God. And that is the way we bring new light into the world. We bring atonement for all the sins. And we transform the sin of the spies into the land of Israel, into a land of Eretz, Zavas, Chalav, Udvash, a land of milk and honey. Rabbi Yeshua Rosenblum is a rabbi in, in Caracas, Venezuela. And he gets a call before Shabbos. A mother calls him up and says, uh, Rabbi Rosenblum, my son is in jail. Please, can you go, being the chaplain of the prison, to go visit my son? It was later ready, Shabbos almost was coming. He said, okay, God willing, Sunday after Shabbos, I will go to visit your son. Over Shabbos, he was with the yeshiva students and the community, they were for bringing. And uh, Rabbi Yeshua Rosenblum said, you know, by the way, God willing, the Sunday, I'm going to go to a prison to visit a Jew who's there to give him inspiration and support him. There was a, a student there by the name of David Goldberg. And he says, Rabbi Rosenblum, you're going to the prison to help another Jew to give him inspiration. I would love to come along. He says, nah, it's not for you. You stay in yeshiva, you study. He says, no, 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 seriously, I, I really want to come with you. I want to help you. I want to support you. I want to go meet this guy and give him some, you know. Okay. Rabbi Rosenblum saw that uh, Goldberg was serious. He says, okay, Sunday we'll go. They got into the car, they traveled, they drove out to the prison. And when they came up to the prison, that day, the captain that normally meets Rosenblum wasn't there. There was another guard. He says, you can't come in. He said, I'm the rabbi here, I'm the chap. I don't know who you are. I, didn't, I, I never heard about you. I have no, nothing on my, on my agenda. You can't come in. He said, can I give him a gift maybe? Some food? Yeah, that you can do. You leave a package for him. Okay. So he has some food over there, some kosher gefilte fish, you know, and some herring. He puts together with a little matzah and a little chrein and a, a nice package and, 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 and a, a lechaim, which means a thought for the week. And uh, he, he's about to give him the package and David Goldberg says, write him a nice note, say, you know, you were here, sorry you couldn't be here, but we're going to come back and give him some words of, of you know, inspiration. So it's a good idea, so he writes out a hand note. And he signs his name, Rabbi, Rabbi Rosenblum. So David Goldberg says, and what about me? I also came. Put down my name also that David Goldberg, a student, also came to give you support. All right, okay, I guess you came all this way. I'll put down your name. You know this guy? No, I don't know this guy. But put it down anyway. Okay, he puts down. And David Goldberg was also here. Good. All right, a few days later, Rabbi Rosenblum comes back to the prison. And now he's able to get in because his friend is there, the captain. And he puts on film with, with this, this, this uh, Jamie, who's, who is in, the, in jail. And while he's in there, in, in prison, Jamie says, by the way, Rabbi, you know, I appreciate you coming to visit me, but there's another Jew here. He says, what, here in Caracas, another Jew? He says, yeah, his name is Ian Clark. He says, Ian Clark doesn't sound too Jewish to me. He probably sort of could the fish, and he wants you to get the fish. <laughs> So now, you know, they all say they're Jewish because they have good food. He says, no, 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 I'm serious, he's, he's definitely a Jew. I said, how do you know? He says, because he knows, I, I, I speak to him, he knows the prayers, the Shema Yisrael, he can rattle love back and forth. He knows all this stuff. So okay, let's go meet him. He comes over and he says, Ian, yeah, about to put on film. 
I'm very excited to put on tefillin. Yet yeah, he takes the tefillin, he wraps it himself, puts it on his head. The guy is like a yeshiva student. After he finishes, Rabbi Rosenblum says, uh, so tell me your story. So I'll tell you the truth, I used to go to yeshiva, and I was a firm boy, and then I decided that this wasn't for me, and I left, and I, I met a non-Jewish girl, and I moved to Venezuela, and I got involved with the mob, and I did a few wrong things, and now here I'm in prison. And as I'm in prison, I meet, I meet, uh, I meet this guy, Jamie, and he tells me that the rabbi came, and he brought him food. I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm so far from God. I'm so far from Yiddishkeit. God doesn't want to talk to me. God doesn't care about me. And, and Jamie said, yeah, it's not true. You come back. God loves you. The rabbi who loves you will give you a filter fish. Don't worry. You come. I'm sitting there. I'm debating. Should I get involved? Not get involved? And then I see there's a note. I said, what are you reading over there? What's that, what, what's that handwritten note? Oh, it's from the rabbi. I said, can I read it? He yeah. I says, you know, Jamie, I'm sorry, I missed you. I hope to come back. My name is uh, Rabbi Rosenblum. And, and also, David Goldberg came to visit. When I saw David Goldberg came to visit, I almost fainted. My name is David Goldberg. I changed it to Ian Clark. But my name is really David Goldberg. And when I saw that, I said, God is alive. God is calling me. And I want to return. So this is the meaning of the parasha, God tells Moses, send out people. Send them to scout out the land. Let them search for the Jewish people. Even for Ian Clark. Give him a piece of filter fish. And he's going to come back home. So we hope and pray to see very soon the coming of Mashiach, when every single one of us will return to the land of Eretz, Zavas, Chalvadvash, the land of milk and honey.